Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back to 32 Fans in 32 Days. I'm Alex Chester, and with me as always is Neil Zimmerfer. Neil, how's it rolling? Uh, I'm a little nervous right now. Is that because we are just days away from Yom Kippur and your soul is about to be judged? Well, the Mets' soul is being judged tonight. Yeah, so we are recording this on Wednesday night as the Mets are playing what is likely to be their only playoff game in 2016. Mm -hmm. Okay, but you've said you don't want us to talk about this game. The podcast will be dated if we do. So let's talk about the baseball regular season as a whole Obviously, uh, this podcast in January or so after the football season, we started this idea where we'd make a bet between each other every week, and we sort of uh, fell off that wagon a little bit. Uh, at the time, we were tied at 7-7. Seven to seven. I had won seven bets. You had won seven bets. So nobody yet owed anybody else any money. But uh, let's take a look at the two preseason baseball bets we made, which are now concluded, obviously. So first of all, we had a home run pool where we each drafted 10 players and we wanted to see who would get more home runs total. And in that one, you killed me 338 to 286. Wasn't even close. You had four guys with 40 home runs. I had none. Um, You know, neither one of us had Mark Trumbo, who led the league in home runs, Brian Dozier, you know, also uh, 40 plus home runs, a couple other guys. But uh, you killed me in that one. Then we also made our MLB over under bets where we chose for each team whether they would have over or under the number of wins that Vegas was giving them. I'll start with the bad news, which is in the AL West, we both went 1-4, and four, so we did not know what was going on in that division. But other than that division, we both did really well. Uh, you went 15-10 and 10 in the other 25 teams, so overall you went 16-14. and 14. Not bad. But I went, among the other 25 teams, 19-6, and six, which is insane. Um, I went 20-10 and 10 overall. So I'm really regretting the fact that uh, we didn't put any money on those games. Oh, that's disappointing. I was hoping to buy a house with this stuff. And so our bets, you against me, were still tied at 8-8 eight to eight now. So nobody owes anybody money yet. Now for this week, I thought we could make a bet, maybe our predictions of who is going to win the World Series in the baseball playoffs. Uh, I think the Cubs are going to win the World Series. Do you, argue, do you disagree? Because we can make a bet if you disagree. No, I agree. But um, would you take the field? Fine, I'll take the field against the Cubs. What kind of odds would you give me if we were going to make that bet, though? Because I can't do one-to-one. That would be stupid. Yeah. You know what? I'm rooting for the Cubs. I want to see history. So I'll take that bet anyways, even though it's silly. No, it's a bad bet for you. Now, on that note, I had mentioned to you that I'm obviously rooting for the Cubs to win the World Series. But you've said before that you don't like when records and streaks are broken. So are you rooting against the Cubs? No, I don't. And you said something insane, which is that you're rooting for the Giants, which is bananas, because the Giants are the most boring team in baseball, and they win the World Series every other year. Why would you root against the Mets, a team that many of your friends root for, and are, like, legitimate good fans of? You know? Like, you you know 20 Mets fans that are better baseball fans than the biggest Yankees fan you know. Definitely. Well, I think that's a bit unfair to some Yankees fans I know, but I certainly know more knowledgeable Mets fans than Yankees fans for sure. But look, as an out-of-towner who has to live in New York, being from the Midwest, I have to always root against the local teams, whoever they are. You don't want me to turn into one of those poser, bandwagon jumper, you know, pink hat-wearing Red Sox fans. Like, I moved to New York, I'm supposed to root for the team from New York now? 
And I should do it. Why? Because my friends are rooting for the Mets. Well, you don't have a lot of friends. That's what, you know, I was saying, but <laughs> yeah, I have friends who are Mets fans, but most of them are really annoying Mets fans. We're only annoying because we never win. If we win, we won't be annoying anymore. That's a guarantee. <laughs> All right. No more baseball talk. People want to hear about football. Okay, so as we've said, we rank the games every week from 1 to 15, or however many games are that week, how good of a game it is to watch. And we invite you to submit your own rankings, and we might use them. This week we're going to use the rankings from Mike Clark, who beat me in the 32 fans pick and pool 10 to 9 last week. He is also the Patriots fan that we have used as a guest on this podcast in the the past, the big Patriots fan, and a Yankees fan, of course. Disgusting. Well, he was a Patriots fan. I think he's on the Bills bandwagon this week. Yeah. Clark probably likes the Bills now because they beat the Patriots. Let's talk about that game for one second. The Patriots shouldn't move too far down anybody's power rankings just because they lost, right? Because you throw that game away. That was Jacoby Brissett. Now they have Tom Brady back. So losing 16-0 to the Bills has no relevance on where you're ranking this team going forward, right? No, no. If you're an insane person. Like I was listening to Peter King on Pardon My Take, a podcast I started to like that you really didn't like. Fake Peter King or real Peter King? No, real Peter King was on... Oh, I'm surprised they could get him. Yeah, it's it's the number one podcast right now, so you go on it if you get invited. Yeah, even though PFT's commentary's column is the MMBM, and uh, it's a t- total ripoff, but he likes it. And also, Peter King just launched the podcast, so he's trying to plug it. But a lot of times, they do have fake people on. Like, they've had a Dr. James Andrews, but it was, the, it was the, like, a fake one. So they, that was at the beginning. I think now they're, like, big enough to get it. But anyway, like, Peter King named the six teams he thinks can win the Super Bowl and didn't name Seattle. Or Carolina, like insane recency bias. Yeah, that's really stupid. And doesn't even make sense because recency bias, Seattle's looked really good the last two weeks. The first couple weeks, they were banged up. But the last two weeks, they looked really good again. No, it's insane. It, it makes no sense. Seattle is, is definitely one of the six best teams. When do you want to do power rings? I feel like we, we at this point last year, we did the, our first power rankings. Well, as you know, I've been doing weekly NFL power rankings every week. For several years now, over a decade. So I have power rankings this week, but you don't have them yet, I assume. Uh, maybe next week we'll do power rankings. Are we Are we doing this podcast together next week? Yeah, we can record live from my brother's wedding next Thursday. Yeah, you're gonna get in so much trouble now. Now that you're, now that your wife is is gonna be there again, I feel like that's not gonna happen unless we could distract her. You know what? There's gonna be enough people there, relatives, friends, people to talk to. I say, yeah, we'll do it. There's, I, you talk a big game, but are you, are you really going to do this? Are we going to do a podcast from your brother's wedding? Maybe not a full episode, but we can definitely bang out 15 minutes. You're, you're also going to be so you're going to be so drunk also. What? No. You can't drink at, at your brother's wedding. It's like there's too many family members around. It'd be too awkward. Your parents, your cousins. You can't. That's a bad time to drink. No, uh, I feel like you just get drunk a lot. I get drunk maybe once a year at the most. It's just relative to you because you literally never drink any alcohol whatsoever. So relative to you, I get drunk a lot, but... No, that's insane. You might have an alcohol problem if you're in this much denial about it. I'd say the guy who can't appreciate a nice bourbon is the one with the alcohol problem. But, you know, matter of opinion. Uh, Anyway, so that's... uh, But fine. So how's the... You know, I should ask you off there. How's how's the food going to be at this wedding? Because that's really the only reason I go to weddings, as I've been made it very clear. Yeah, that and to be snarky about women's dresses is why most girls go to weddings. Um, whereas most men go to the wedding because they want to know if it's going to be a good open bar. Find out how the food's going to be. I'm, I'm interested in like the quality of food. You think I'm involved with the planning of this wedding in any way whatsoever that I know who the caterer is going to be? Is, is, this a fa- is this a fancy wedding? Do I have to like wear fancy clothing? Well, it's an Israeli wedding. Israeli weddings are always pretty casual. But are you wearing are you wearing suspenders? There's a whole thing in the invitation about suspenders. My brother's so ridiculous. I mean, I'm wearing suspenders because I'm part of the wedding party. Yeah, he said he said like, yeah, suspenders are in style, and I want you to wear. Not you have to wear suspenders. Not like suspenders only. But he's like, you should get suspenders. He's plugging suspenders. <laughs> yeah, it's so ridiculous because. As anyone who appreciates men's formal wear, you know, a tuxedo, a dinner jacket will tell you, suspenders are never supposed to be seen. So nobody should know if you're wearing suspenders or not. In fact, the whole reason a gentleman wears suspenders with formal wear is because you don't want it to be seen. Because if you were to wear a belt, the buckle would show. Whereas suspenders are completely covered by the jacket, and so no one will ever see them, so it won't distract from the outfit. Yeah, but if you don't wear a, if you don't wear a jacket, you see the suspenders. Yes, but again, a gentleman would never remove his jacket when wearing formal black tie. What, what's the most casual thing I could wear? First of all, I don't own suspenders. I would never wear them. I don't even know 
where I would find. I don't even know like what kind of store to go to to buy suspenders. I've never owned suspenders. Maybe my mom dressed me up in them once when I was like one. Yeah, they're cute and popular among little boys. Sure, especially in like the 80s. But what when, uh, like what's the most casual thing I can get away with wearing to this wedding without standing out like an idiot? Honestly, I think if you wore like business casual pants and a polo shirt, I think you could pull that off. I mean, you might be a little out of place, but not unusually so, because it's Israel. I could pull off a polo shirt? Oh, man. Maybe even jeans. I hope. Oh, yeah. Oh, je- well, that's my question. Can I get away with jeans, or are you? I think it's a little fancier than jeans. The problem is you don't look Israeli enough to pull that off. You're too light-skinned. That, yo, I don't... I haven't, wear, I, haven't, I haven't worn a tie. Yeah, that's true. You're in the wedding party. I haven't worn a tie in many years, so I got to keep that streak going. So I could get away with, like, like Banana Republic pants and a button-down shirt for sure is totally fine. Is that what you're saying? You wear that 100%, nobody even notices you whatsoever. Yeah, that's what I wear. That's, like, my fancy right now. Okay, let's go to the football. We'll give a full report next next week on your brother's wedding. Okay, so before we do, I think we should talk. I need to call you out on something for a second. In week one, you predicted that the Minnesota Vikings would go into Tennessee and lose to the Titans. Yeah. The Vikings won. In week two, you predicted the Vikings would come home and lose to the Packers. Yeah. The Vikings won. In week three, you predicted the Vikings would go to Carolina and lose. Mm-hmm. The Vikings won. And last week... You predicted the Vikings would lose at home to the Giants. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Vikings won yet again. So, you going to pick, keep picking the Vikings to lose? or Yeah, how's that working for me? But this is what I want to call you out on. This is my issue. Last week, for example, I thought, oh, boy, at least the Kiva is going to be doing really badly in the pick and pool. But you're actually one point ahead of the field. You're leading the pick and pool and wins. And the reason is because on the podcast, you keep saying the Vikings are going to lose. But then you go and pick the Vikings to win in our pool. And I don't think that's fair. I think that the picks you make on this podcast are the picks that you make in the pool. That's how I've been doing it. Well, so I'll tell you I'll tell you what happens. I I pick I pick the games and then you basically uh annoy me and nitpick the how, like how good the Vikings are and then I go on the ESPN, I make the picks like Saturday night or whatever. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, uh, you know, Chester made some good points that, uh, you know, the Vikings defense is pretty good. And at this point, it doesn't matter. Like, there's no overrating the Vikings. They're at worst, you know, a Mount Rushmore team right now. But the picks you make on the podcast, you have to be committed to those picks for our pool with our listeners. Hmm. No, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think. I mean, if late in the week there's an injury to a quarterback or something, you can switch. But if there's no injuries or anything that changed in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Here's my problem. I don't remember what I say on the podcast four minutes after the podcast. So there's no way you'd have to, like, make my picks for me at this point, basically. Okay, so before we jump into Mike Clark's rankings of the 14 games this week, let's quickly discuss the four teams on by that are not playing this week. Kansas City, New Orleans, Seattle, and Jacksonville. Seattle, again, the first couple of weeks they struggled. Russell Wilson was banged up. Their offense did not look good. Their offensive line looked terrible. But they really seem to get back on track, uh, you know, a little bit in week three and then even more so this past week against the Jets, even though Russell Wilson isn't running the way he normally does. This team is clearly a Super Bowl contender. And in the NFC, who's looked better than them other than the Vikings? And I guess you could argue the Eagles, although they've been out of sight, out of mind for a week and a half now because they had a bye last week. But anyway, you know, talking about Seattle, you know, the receivers make me nervous in in a big game. Um, But I, I really like what I see out of Michael. Michael, you know, Michael has a lot of, uh, like, juice. He was really impressive out of the backfield, uh, you know, catching the ball in particular. And, and it was Jimmy Graham's best game, and the Jets get destroyed by tight ends. But Jimmy Graham uh, looked really good. He's had 100-plus yards two games in a row. Yeah, yeah. Graham is Graham is really coming on. Uh, you know, to me, they're a scary team right now, especially since at 3-1, and one, it's looking again like you might have to go win a playoff game in Seattle. Uh, who are the other bye teams? New Orleans, Jacksonville. And the Kansas City Chiefs, who really need a buy after what the Steelers did to them on Sunday night. Yeah, well, you know, the Chiefs crushed the Jets and then got crushed by the Steelers. So what are the, by transitive property, what do the Steelers do to the Jets this week? Like 73-0, to zero, I'm expecting. Well, take it one step further. Does that mean the Eagles would beat the Jets by 100 points? Oh, yeah. Well, we won't find out. We won't find out till the Super Bowl when the Jets play the Eagles. 
Um, the... Okay, so just running through the other teams on by, of course, you have the Saints, who they look like a team that might be able to go 3-13 and 13 or something because their defense is so historically awful, but they managed to weasel a win out uh, this past week because the Chargers, who just find a way to lose every week in just more and more incredible fashion. And if there was such a thing as Chargers fans, you'd have to feel really bad for them at this point. Uh, yeah, that was really a remarkable loss. Uh, it's a bad team. You know, a- Atlanta being a lot better than we thought, it only makes the Saints, lives wor- the Saints' lives worse, although Tampa's worse than we thought. So so then the last team on by is Jacksonville, of course, because they just played in England. Gus Bradley does get to come home with his team because they did get a win. But the craziest thing is that the Colts do not have a bye after they just played in London, and apparently we've now found out that they were offered a bye, as every other team to come back from London has ever, has always had, and they turned it down. They decided, no, 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 we want to play six days after flying back from England, which is crazy. Um, I think they turned it down because they probably viewed it, I, I, maybe there was a reason given there, but they probably viewed having a bye this early as a disadvantage, you know, I, I guess, that's all I got. Okay, so speaking of those Colts, that is Mike Clark's uh, worst game of the week, Chicago at Indy. Mike says it's two unwatchable teams going absolutely nowhere. There's no reason to watch 10 snaps from this game. The thing about the, uh, I was going to say the Cubs, uh, I have baseball on the mind, obviously, but the thing about the Bears is that they actually look better with Jake with, with uh, Jay Cutler out and with Brian Hoyer in, and Hoyer looked pretty good last year in the regular season for Houston. Of course, he did not look good in that playoff game, but he's been very good the last two games, doesn't have a turnover. Uh, and Jay Cutler, on the other hand, was abysmal for the first two games. So it's possible that uh, we might have seen the last of Jay Cutler in Chicago. Yeah, I think Cutler is pretty much done anyway, because even if he comes back, he'd have to be pretty great for them not to cut the cord. I mean, at a certain point, they have to give up. Uh, I I mean, is anybody going to trade for Cutler? Like, are the, Is he going to be the Jets quarterback next year, week one? Yeah, I think you'd rather have Cutler than Fitzpatrick. I mean, Fitzpatrick is so bad. I'd rather have anybody than Fitzpatrick right now. Tell that to the guy in my fantasy league who, after Fitzpatrick threw six interceptions, traded Melvin Gordon for Fitzpatrick pretty much straight up. Well, you have to at least uh, explain that it's a two-quarterback league and that Fitzpatrick, is his value gets bumped a ton, even though it doesn't get bumped to a Melvin Gordon level. Like Quarterbacks are gold in in your 12-team two-quarterback league, so there's no context there. Yeah, but there's no context that justifies that trade in any league. Well, but but in a one in a one QB league, he's not ownable. That's why there's some context. All right, pick that game. Let's move on. You hate the Colts. You actually thought they would be underdogs at home to the Bears, which is insane. I don't like the Colts, but I'm going to pick them here. Uh, yeah, I'm picking Chicago. I hate Indy. Okay, game number thirteen. Michael Clark says. Tennessee at Miami, boring versus irrelevant. You can decide which distinction belongs to which team, but that's more brain power than this matchup deserves. I would say that Miami is boring and Tennessee is irrelevant. What say you? Yeah, Miami's really boring. I feel bad for Mariota right now. It's weird because Pro Football Focus rank Yeah, Pro Football Focus ranks the Titans offensive line the best in the NFL. DeMarco Mori's been fantastic. Their receivers are bad. But, like, they're not the worst, like Richard Matthews, who just got benched for Andre Johnson. Like, you know, they have a tight, they have a well above average tight end. I, um, well, you I, like to say how bad the Colts are, right? Yeah. Andre Johnson couldn't even get on the field last year for the Colts, and here he's starting. Okay, but he's been playing better this year. I don't think the problem here is the receivers, though, frankly. I think Tajay Sharp is fine. Delaney Walker's good. As you said, they have a good running back. They actually have two good running backs. They have a good offensive line. All the offensive problems for this team, I think, are because of Mariota, who's just really taken a step back from where we thought he would be uh, at this point and where he was last year, even, frankly. So that's disappointing. And I don't love it. Miami is not impressive. They barely beat Cleveland in their only win, but I'm going to pick them here. Uh, yeah, I pick Miami, too. Okay, so next at number 12, Mike has the Thursday night game, Arizona at San Francisco. Mike says, it doesn't get much uglier than 1-3 versus 1-3. I disagree. To me, this is interesting only because for Arizona, this is a must-win. Arizona wins. They're back 2-3. and three. They're back in the wildcard race. They're probably not going to catch Seattle. But if they lose this game, you know, their season might actually be over. They're not done. I mean, they're going to lose. They have a good chance of losing the game with Carson Palmer out. They would fall two and a half games back in their division behind Seattle and the Rams. It would be another divisional loss. 
and the Rams already beat them in Arizona. Right. So then, right. So then you're you're fighting with Green Bay, who's probably going to get a play a, a wild card spot if unless they you know somehow catch Minnesota. But uh, you know, so let's say Green Bay, that's a spot, and then you have then you have the Cowboys. Eagle, well, whoever loses that, one of those teams is going to win the division, probably the Eagles. And I, I put the Giants in there as as a wild card contender, and the Falcons. I, the Falcons are a legitimate wild card contender, uh, and the Rams are three and one. But I don't think we're counting them. Uh, but yeah, that's you know it's a it's a dogfight just for the sixth spot. So they're definitely not done because none of those teams are running to eleven and five. But if I was them, I wouldn't lose this game. Well, the Packers can definitely win eleven games, and you're telling me that you don't think that the Cowboys and Eagles they can't win eleven games. I don't think the Cowboys and the Eagles are both going to win 11 games, no. And by the way, how, how quickly you've turned. I've been yelling about the AFC East being underrated, and you've been saying they're all going to go 9-7 and seven to 7-9, seven and nine, and now you turn the tables on me. Well, I still think that these are 9-7 and seven type teams, but that doesn't mean they can't win a couple extra games. The, the Thursday night game, yeah, the, the night games, for whatever reason, the, uh, su- the 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock games, have all you know the ratings have been very slightly down, but the night games have been you know there's been a precipitous drop in the Monday night game, the Thursday night game, and the Sunday night game. Uh, that's not going to be helped this week with Arizona at San Francisco, obviously. Why do you think the ratings are down though? What's your uh, what's your take? I mean, I haven't thought about it. I haven't done any real research, but is it possible that they've just run up against high profile events that have taken ratings from them? Mm-hmm. I mean, that Vikings Packers game, for example, was up against the Grammys. I'm sure that stole some ratings. And then more importantly, Monday night the next week was against the first Hillary Trump debate, which had the most viewers of any presidential debate in American history. So, you know, that was 88 million people or whatever not watching uh, a football game who a big chunk of them, I have to imagine, ordinarily would. And also you have some stars missing, you know, like the Patriots played uh, a night game already, but it was without Tom Brady, for example. Obviously, Peyton Manning hasn't played a night game, won't be playing any more of them. Yeah. And they just have had a week. They've had a week slate, also. Yeah. Okay. So Thursday night this week, Arizona at San Francisco. I'm going to pick Arizona. I'm not sure what Drew Stanton's going to do, but I just think Arizona. This is a must-win. They're going to get a win. They won't blow them up by 33 like they beat Tampa, but I think they win this. Yeah. What about you? You going to pick San Francisco? You said you think Arizona could survive one and four. No, Arizona. Uh, Arizona's going to win this game. Okay, so that takes us to game number 11 on Mike Clark's list, Tampa Bay at Carolina. Mike says, another bad primetime game, nothing to see here, folks. Um, you know, yet again, it's the second big disappointing team in the NFC, in addition to Arizona, Carolina. Yet again, we might have a backup quarterback for that team. What? But I think they're going to win easily. I think that Tampa stinks. Week one was their only half-decent game so far. And look, I was wrong. Carolina was my lock of the week last week. I was wrong. They're my lock of the week this week yet again. I'm doubling down. Yeah, they're going to win this game. I think I maybe even survivor them. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, the, they're going to go to two and three. I'm a little disappointed. I thought Jameis was making the jump. I thought Jameis and Mariota might both make the jump this year, and it doesn't look like it's happening. Uh, but yeah, Carolina gets on track here. All right, next we go to... Two of the most boring teams in the league, uh, who are both uh, Buffalo two and two, the Rams three and one, both having won each of their last two games. Surprisingly, when we thought after week one and week two, especially for the Bills, like these coaches could be fired anytime soon. Mike says that Buffalo and the Rams, uh, America will realize both these teams are absolutely mediocre. I agree with him. I have no interest in this game, even though the winner is uh, at least looks like they could be in the playoff race for at least one more week, if not longer. Yeah, this is a nothing game. I have no idea who to pick here. Oh, the Bills are a better team than the Rams. The difference is the Bills don't do anything well, whereas the Rams do one thing really, really well, which is their defense. Obviously, Aaron Donald might, again, be the best player in the NFL this year. So their strength is better than any strength that the, that the Bills have. I think I'm going to choose the Rams in this game, but I don't have a lot of confidence in that pick. It's my lowest confidence pick, probably. No. Um, to, I mean, their defense is really good, but Case Keenum stinks. The, how bad the, does the Bills' performance against the Jets look now? You know, Fitzpatrick went up and down the field. They scored 37 points against the Bills and now have one touchdown in the last two games. I mean, that's a scary loss. I, You know, I know you prefer the home teams in this scenario, but to me, the Bills are just better. And, uh, you know, I just I, Case Keenum can't go to 4-1. and one. I can't see it happening. Okay, at number nine, Mike Clark has Philly at Detroit. He says, bad, boring games continue. 
at least people's hard-ons for Chris Carson Wentz will generate some interest. Lions upset question mark. And it's because I think the Lions are going to win this game that I actually think this is rated much higher than number nine. And I don't think it's a very big upset. I think the Lions are probably about a 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 team. I think that the Eagles are probably about a 9-7 and 7 team. And the 7-9 team is at home. The Lions actually have a pretty good home field advantage. They've had decent crowds the last couple of years, uh, much better than when I was living in Detroit in 2006, 2007. Uh, I went to Lions games back then, and they were completely dead. That was the Matt Millen era. So I'm going to pick Detroit to win this game, and I think it's going to be a pretty close game. <sighs> you know, I'd rather have Matt Stafford than Carson Wentz. In general, like oh, if you if you did like a redraft of franchises, you'd pick Matt Stafford. Not you know long term, but for this season or for this game, anyways, I still think that Stafford is a better quarterback than Wentz. Just for one game. Yeah, I agree. This is a good game. I think this is like if Philly's for real, you go in and you beat Detroit. Like not a terrible team, but a team that you should beat. And but I also think Detroit can definitely win this game. They can. Uh, we're going to get hate from Philly fans. They're going to say, we're not for real yet. We just beat the Steelers by 31 points. So, if, I mean, if they could shut down Detroit, I'd be impressed. Not that the Lions offense is so special, but, uh, you know, color me impressed if they could go to 4-0 here. How high do you have the Eagles on your power rankings right now? Because I have them at number seven, which is good, obviously, but they're not in that top tier just yet for me. Okay, so I have New England one without question. Uh, I put I put Minnesota two. I mean, you know, Philly's only three and zero. I know DVOA has them at number one, but wait, you forgot about Denver. Denver's got to be one or two. I guess three at the very lowest, right? Uh, no, I have New England, Minnesota. I didn't say three. Yeah, I'd say Denver three, Philly four. I still really like Pittsburgh. Yeah, I have Pittsburgh four, Seattle five. Yeah, see, and Seattle right there. I, I, I think those. And then I would put the Packers at six. And then I'd put the Eagles right after them at number seven. That's my top seven. Uh, and then I would put Green Bay seven. So we have the same top seven in a wacky different order. Um, but to me, the Patriots are clearly number one. And by the way, I would still put the Panthers at like eight, even though they're one and three. No, I have them down at number 14. They've been blown out two games in a row. One game, their offense did nothing. The next game, their defense did nothing. So they've got a lot of problems. Cam Newton's hurt. That could bode even you know bigger problems, obviously, down the line. Anyway, you have the Eagles at number four, so you think they're going to go into Detroit and win this week? Yeah, uh, it's going to be really close, honestly. Uh, I'm not. I'm going to pick Detroit, but I, you don't hold me to that because I think I because I happen to have already picked the ESPN games this week, and I, I may have picked Philly. I don't even remember. Okay, next we have Washington at Baltimore. This is two mediocre teams who are worse than their records. I would argue that the Washington is the worst two and two team. Yeah, well, the I mean, and the Ravens are the worst three and one team. Yeah, I agree. No question. Uh, no, the Rams, they're better than the Rams. They're better than the Rams. Yeah, but the point is the Ravens were not impressive at 3-0, and I'm even less impressed now that they're 3-1. and Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Jets could be 1-5, and and I would be confident they're going to go into Baltimore and win Week 7. So this is kind of like the Bills-Rams game to me. I'm not sure. I think these teams are pretty similar. I'll take Baltimore. I think they're a little bit better, and this game is at home. Their defense is obviously a little bit better, but I don't have a lot of confidence or a lot of interest in this game. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the home team too, and I'll be sick that this team is four and one. But whatever. Yeah, the Ravens are going to be like seven and three in a couple of weeks, and it's going to look like they're headed to a, a playoff spot they don't deserve just because of their easy schedule thus far. And that brings us to two more uninspiring AFC teams: San Diego at Oakland. How does Mike McCoy blow this one? Is what Clark asks. Uh, he's correct. Uh, San Diego is going to lose this game, and they're probably going to lose it in some awful fashion. But Chargers-Raiders games have been must-miss for me, basically, for most of my life. I think it's interesting because Oakland going 4-1 and one could get interesting. Like, the Raiders have been so bad for so long that there's no team in the NFL other than the Browns who will, you know, get that Sports Illustrated cover and sort of pique people's interest that they're good again, uh, more so than the Raiders. Well, they had that Hugh Jackson year, 2011 or whatever. I think they were like 7-4 and four that season or something before they collapsed. Yeah, they got people excited. Um you know, San Diego could beat or lose to any team. They're really starting to get hit hard by injuries now. Um, you know, I like Oakland at home here. Uh, you know, this could be like Oakland, you know, they, they win and then they move to Vegas. They, like, make the playoffs for the first time in 15 years and they move to Vegas. Hugh Jackson, it's insane that Hugh Jackson didn't get a 12-year contract after bringing that team to 7-4. and four. Well, but they ended 8-8, eight and eight, so, you know. 
I mean, Derek, Derek Carr, where, where would you rank Derek Carr right now? Like, people are really moving him up their charts. Well, I had him pretty high in my preseason quarterback rankings. I think I had Derek Carr number 13. I mean, they have two solid receivers. Yeah, but I'm looking at Carr on my rankings in the preseason. There's only, like, the only guy who's ranked higher than him who I think I'd have him leapfrog is Carson Palmer. So I only move him from 13 to 12, even though he's had a good first uh, four games of the year. Well, let me, no, I, let me ask you one good one that will be, that will be a pretty good barometer. Rest of the season, Derek Carr, Matt Stafford. I'll say Carr, but I had Carr two spots ahead of him. Okay. Two spots ahead of him before the season also. I mean, you don't have Carr over Eli, do you? Oh, I have him way over Eli. I have Eli down at like number 18. Oh, but you hate Eli. That's absurd. Uh, Carr or Andy Dalton? That's a good question. I had Dalton number nine. I think they're neck. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I don't think he, Dalton was so good last year. Let's not go crazy that he had, you know, he hasn't been perfect this year. And Carson Palmer, I mean, it's Palmer's silly because he might be washed up and he's 100 years old. Yeah, Dalton, Palmer, Carr, they're all basically 9, 10, 11, 12 for me right now. And Phillip Rivers, that's 9, 10, 11, 12, those four in some order. But you'd consider Dalton and, and you'd consider Rivers at a certain point. Yeah, Carr could leapfrog them. Leapfrog them. Okay. Okay. Right now, I'd, I would do Dalton Rivers car in that order, but uh, but uh, TBD. Yeah, I think I have the same order. And I have the Raiders. You have the Raiders winning that game? Oh, for sure. Yeah, Chargers are going to find some heartbreaking way to lose this game. That's their style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, their fans are so likable, so good for them. <laughs> All right, Patriots at Browns, not much to say. Pick, uh, you know, what do you think Brady's numbers will be in this game? Oh, I think they're going to be absurd. I think they're going to do whatever they can to get him the ball, let him score. Yeah. Yeah, bad for people like me who own the Garrett Blunt in fantasy because this should be a great matchup. But I think um, you know Brady's going to throw. They're going to try and run up the score and get Brady as many points and touchdowns as possible. Yeah, no, this could be a fascinating game. It might be like super. If it's if it's like fourteen three at halftime, like oh, this is a clunker. Who cares? But if I put the over under on Brady touchdowns in this game at three and a half, would you take the over or the under? No, four, it's very hard to get to four. I'd, I'd take the under. But if you took it, if you put it at three, I'd take the over and probably push or something. Okay, so I'll definitely take the over. So that'll be our second bet of the week. Okay, so yeah, for sure. How much money? I'm going under. Make it the standard ten bucks. Oh, I, I, yeah, I don't know if yeah, I, I don't know if you want to like double our standard bet or something. Fine. So under, uh, yeah, I, I, oh, that's a lock bet because I would have done that. If, yeah, for sure. That's no question. Um, the only thing, the, you know, another reason why this game should be higher is in the one percent chance the Browns almost win this game. It becomes like the game of the year so far, you know? All the Browns' losses, other than the Eagles, have been pretty close. So, yeah, I think the Browns could keep this close. Yeah, yeah I'm saying if the Browns, if you have, like, Terrell Pryor doing some wacky things, they went away from Pryor. I mean, they threw to him, but they, they went away from using me at QB last week. Like, if you, you know, some, some you know, punt return touchdown or something from the Browns, and they're in this game late, it's the, it's the game of the week without question. Oh, and just to be clear on our bet... When I say over three and a half touchdowns for Brady, I'm including passing and running because I think he might run one in from the one. Fine. Fine. I'll still do the bet. Yeah, that's why I think it's bad times for LeGarrette Blunt this week. I think they're going to try and get Brady in the end zone. They want him to spike the ball. They want him to give the finger to, to Goodell. Everything they can do, they're going to try and do this week to get Brady in the end zone. Okay, our next game, number five game of the week, according to Mike Clark, the Jets at Pittsburgh. Mike says, I can already hear Akiva scoff at this and say this game should have been 10 at best. It wouldn't be a Jets season without them winning a road game that they have no business winning. Uh, yeah, 34-10 Steelers next game, please. Uh, look, I don't think the Jets are going to win, but I think it's going to be closer than that. I think their defense can hold Pittsburgh down. And I'm being nice to the Jets and giving them 10 points after the last two weeks, honestly. Come on, as long as Fitzpatrick doesn't throw so many picks, you really don't think that the Jets can't score points on the Steelers? The Steelers' defense stinks. You're, I, I mean, the Jets without Decker, it's a really big deal. Like they went from having like an absolutely loaded receiving core to now having and because they lost Jalen Marshall also, who was their fourth receiver to now like they're they're, they had they, you know, because the Jets play four receivers the most of any team since the 91 Oilers. Jets play four receivers almost all game. They don't have a tight end. And Quincy and Unwa has been pretty good. I'm not saying he's as good as Decker, but I think him and Marshall are decent weapons on the outside. Sure. But he's really a tight end. He really like you want him as the three. Like, he's playing on the line. Uh, Anderson really took Decker's spot, and Pro Football Focus had him as, like, the worst player in the NFL this week. How long is Decker out for? They they considered putting him on IR last week, so it might be a long time. Yeah, it's not good. It's really bad. So it's not just a two- or three-week thing? No, I don't think so. I mean, they've been kind of tight-lipped about it, but I would be shocked. I would, I would sign for two or three weeks right now for sure. 
Okay, next on Clark's ranking, the number four game of the week, the Giants at the Packers. Both teams have their flaws, but this is the best primetime game by a mile, Mike says. Giants have shown in the past they're not scared of Lambeau. That's true, obviously. They have two iconic uh, playoff wins in Lambeau in the Eli era. So I think this could be a pretty good game. I don't think the Giants are going to win, but I think they'll be closer than they were against the Vikings just because the Packers' defense isn't as good as the Vikings, and I think Eli and Odell Beckham Jr. could do something. Yeah, I think this is a re- this could you could make a case this is the best game of the week. Um, I mean, Cincy Dallas, Cincy Dallas is a good game too. Also, by the way, can we talk about Odell Beckham Jr. for a second? Just because it's not you know I don't care about his off the field or his emotional stuff, whatever. But on the field, he hasn't been the same guy. He doesn't have a touchdown yet this year. His team's offense all around is struggling. Eli's not able to get him the ball. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it. What is this like? First take. Cold pizza? No, I'm saying let's talk about his on-field performance, not off the field. Yeah, listen, I, I think, like, you, you know, you forget. We had, like, eight of these diva receivers, like the Owenses and the Ocho Cinco's, you know, a decade ago. And now they kind of went away. Um, but y- you forget, these guys are, are, you know, Brandon Marshall seems to have had a total, uh, you know, he, he, like, saved his life, basically, by, you know, dealing with his mental issues. Um but, you, you know, you have guys who, you know, they, they are, you know, dominant. And then you have a couple bad weeks where you lose and you have two catches for th- 13 yards. And, uh, you know, it's hard to deal with, especially he's never really dealt with uh, with failure, you know, as an NFL player before. I, it's not it's not uh, to me. It's not that interesting. The second he starts playing well, it's not like he's playing poorly because of his issues. His issues are because they're losing. So he has a big game. He'll be back. It, it doesn't scare me. Listen, if they want to trade him, if they want to trade him, I'll give them Sharon Peak or Robbie Anderson for 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 Odell Beckham. If the Jets and Giants want to make a trade, I'll throw in both. Uh, but this is in Lambeau, so I'm going to pick the Packers. Okay, Mike Clark's number three game of the week. Houston at Minnesota, easily the best early game, Mike says. Even without Watt, Houston probably runs away with the AFC South. Well, if they win the division at 8-8, eight and eight, that doesn't mean that they've run away with it. That's not impressive. Mm-hmm. And to me... This is not a good game. This should be much lower because if Cam Newton and Aaron Rodgers and Eli Manning, you know, who are all Super Bowl quarterbacks, they couldn't do anything against the Vikings defense. What is Brock Osweiler going to do? Brock Osweiler has stunk so far this season, and that's against worse defenses than he's facing this week. Yeah, this game uh, to me is, uh, you know, the, the one o'clock slate is weak, but to me this isn't so interesting. Like I, the Texans are boring. They're interesting from like a macro perspective, but watching them is boring. Especially, you know, w- without J.J. Watt, uh, you know, the fact that Osweiler might be bad is kind of interesting, but they're still going to destroy, uh, you know, the other three teams in the AFC South. So they're locked into that fourth seed, maybe a three if nah, I don't think they could do three, uh, you know, if, if like the Steelers really struggled or like the Bengals got into 10 and six. But uh, yeah, I mean, we have to say it now, like the, the Vikings are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Their defense, if it stays healthy, not that there's any reason to think that the Vikings are going to stay healthy, but like the de- their defense is good enough to win the Super Bowl, even with Sam Bradford as quarterback. Oh come on, what are you doing to me? And there's no chance Bradford's going to make it through the season anyway. So I mean, that who's going to make it through the season? Bradford. He hasn't played a full season ever. That I mean, can they win without Bradford? I mean, without Bradford, without Peterson, this offense is going to be really, really limited. They could win a game or two here and there, you know, like maybe like Arizona with Drew Stanton or something. But they're not winning the Super Bowl. They're not winning the Super Bowl anyway, let's be honest, to the Vikings. But they're not going to make noise in the playoffs without a healthy Bradford. And the way he's been hit, you know, he actually he didn't get hit at all in the Giants game, finally. But before that, he'd been getting beaten up a lot. And so I'm very nervous if he can stay healthy. I mean, you got you keep holding people at 10 points. Like, you can win games in the playoffs 13-10 to 10 and 17-10. to 10. It's not that crazy. Score a touchdown on defense in the playoffs. Sure, you can win a game like that, but to win three games in a row or four games in a row, I mean, your margin of error is really, really low when you can't score 20 points. Now, they've scored over that in every game, except for uh, the Packers game. But you're talking about a scenario where if Bradford were to be injured, and in that scenario, getting to 20 would be a much bigger challenge for them, I think. Especially against some of the elite defenses they might have to play in the playoffs. You know, What if they have to go against the Seattle or something like that? Right. But it is so exciting to have a defense that is this good. In 25 years as a Vikings fan, they've never been a defense-first team. They've always been offense-first, so it's really exciting. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I've had that with the Jets. 
The Jets are almost always a, a defensive team, so I, I hear what you're saying, but from the other direction. Okay, brass tacks. Are you going to continue your streak, at least on the podcast, of declaring the Vikings to lose? Houston, Brock Osweiler, come into Minnesota. Obviously, I have the Vikings here, but what about you? No, 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 it's in Minnesota. I'm picking the Vikings. All right, the number two game of the week, Cincinnati at Dallas. Honestly, Mike says this game should be a blast. I don't agree. This game, I think, is going to be really boring. I understand why it's an important game. Both teams, the loser of this game, they're probably their chances of making the playoffs are under 50%, and the winner is certainly way over 50%. But that doesn't mean it's a game I want to watch necessarily. Cowboys have been pretty boring with Prescott. He's basically been a game manager. He's been good. He's not turning the ball over. You know, no interceptions. But that doesn't mean that he's dynamic. I mean, all it's all these teams have garbage QBs who can who don't throw a single interception, and we have Fitzpatrick who throws ten. It's crazy. It's so frustrating. Cincinnati's going to win this game. Cincinnati. Let's not sleep on Cincinnati. They're still good. Cincinnati's winning this game. You know, it's funny you say that because I was definitely going to take Cincinnati as well. But we were totally off on the line for this game. Uh, both you and me guessed, and, uh, and also Bill Simmons, actually. We all thought Dallas would be favored. And Cincinnati actually was uh, favored by one. So it's not an upset, but I do agree with you. I think Cincinnati goes into Dallas and wins. Remember, the Bengals were my preseason Super Bowl team. Uh, I don't think they are that right now, but I think they're better than uh, the Dak Prescott Cowboys. And that takes us to the game of the week, according to Michael Clark. Atlanta at Denver. Mike says, hopefully Eugene Robinson stays far away from this one. Will the Denver D shut down the suddenly explosive Falcons? Oh. So first of all, the Eugene Robinson, obviously a reference to the 1998 Super Bowl. Probably my least favorite Super Bowl. Uh, I had zero interest in watching that one. Obviously, 1998 was supposed to be a year of destiny for a different team, in my opinion. Yeah, we both, we, listen, we, we, when the Jets played the Vikings in the third place game in 1998, we really commiserated over how it should have been a Jets-Vikings Super Bowl. Um, yeah, no, that should have been a Vikings-Broncos Super Bowl. The Broncos that year were the team that started 13-0, looked like they might be the first 16-0 team ever. The Vikings were 15-1 that year, only the third 15-1 team ever. They both looked like historic teams. That was supposed to be the epic Super Bowl. Nobody cared about the Falcons or the Jets. Those were two eh teams that... Had decent seasons, but uh, were not as good as their record, as clearly they were one-hit wonders from what we saw they did the previous year and then the following. Yeah, but Bill Parcells... Look, I don't think we need to litigate the 1998 Jets right now. Um. (laughs) (laughs) But no, but we didn't pick that game. Um, Atlanta is going to win this game, because I just can't see Simeon, Simeon, uh, you know, handling Ryan and shootout. I'm really... I said uh, in in, in a... Isn't Lynch playing? Oh, no, it's probably Paxton Lynch. I actually picked up Paxton Lynch in a 20-team league. Anyway, I couldn't disagree with you more strongly. I do not believe in the Falcons. Their offense is good, but uh, somebody pointed out Matt Ryan was, uh, you know, he's the MVP through four weeks. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. But let's look at fantasy for a second. He was a top-five quarterback through the first four weeks of the season in four of the past five years and never finished as a top-ten quarterback. So he gets hot starts. That's what he does. Their defense still stinks. I do not buy the Falcons at all. I think the Broncos are going to beat them pretty easily. And I don't care who the Broncos quarterback is. Look, Matt Ryan's going to light up the Broncos. Cam Newton couldn't do that. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady couldn't do anything against the Broncos defense last year. Who's Matt Ryan? Uh, I, don't, I mean, I just don't know. I, he was so good last week. And also, in, in a 2QB uh, league where uh, QBs are gold, I, uh, I said, hey, Chester, should I trade... Uh, Matt Ryan, I could get a Giovanni Bernard and Tyrod Taylor, so it's maybe a slight downgrade at QB, but I get Bernard. And you're like, oh yeah, you gotta do that, of course. And now, I'm regretting it. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. I really told you to do that trade. I have no recollection of that. I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one. No, I hate you. Yeah. Matt, Matt Ryan's a one-month quarterback. Alright. So, Mr. September, we, get, we, we sold high, and we got, we got the great Tyrod Taylor, who's not good in any month. <laughs> but Gio Bernard's the best you could do at running back in that trade? Well, I really didn't. I like it's a. There's no running backs. I couldn't find. Uh, I couldn't like he start. Geo Bernard starts for me. I, I have Murray and Bernard. I had D'Angelo Williams. He left, and I have Deion Lewis. He's not ready, and I got no running backs. Anyway, not interesting to anybody. All right, yeah. So I have. I have. Uh, where's that game? Did I pick that game? Yeah, you picked the Falcons. Yeah, so I'm going to pick Denver. Oh, but I, I sort of have a feeling Atlanta might might put up a lot of points on them. <laughs> this flip flopping is out of control. 
All right, why don't we uh, very quickly make our Major League Baseball playoff picks. So uh, we'll start in the AL, obviously, because we don't know if the Mets or Giants are going to win this game yet. Uh, Red Sox, Indians. Um, Red Sox. Yeah, if the Indians were healthy, I'd pick the Indians. Their pitching would be better, but they're all banged up. Yeah, too many. Too many injuries, and the Red Sox offense is much better. Rangers, Blue Jays. I'm definitely going to take the Blue Jays. Rangers, with that small run differential, not nearly as good as their record. I don't buy them. And the Blue Jays have as much power as the Rangers do, which is obviously... Hmm. It's crazy how... I can't hear you, but it's crazy how the Cavs did not get better at all. The team stinks. Yeah, that's a non sequitur, but... You know why? I think it's one of those mistakes that bad front offices make sometimes when they win a championship that they don't really deserve. Now in their head, they're like, oh, we have a championship caliber team, so we don't need to make any improvements. But the reality is, if you redo that last NBA season 100 times, how many times did the Cavs win? Maybe 15 at the most? 70 of them are going to the Warriors. Another 15 are going to the Spurs. Okay, they won a championship, but that doesn't mean that they're a championship team. Right. In a way, it's the same mistake we talked about last week that bad NFL coaches make, where they think once they get into field goal range, it's binary. It's like, oh, now we're in field goal range. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. We can make a field goal from here, so we don't need to try any harder to gain any extra yards. Cavs are like, oh, well, we can win a title, so we don't need to make any effort to improve. Like, you're lucky that you made a title, that you won a title. You should still try and improve. The best team in the league just added the second best player in the league. So, anyway, the NBA is going to be boring this year. I mean, the Timberwolves will be exciting, but the playoffs will be boring. Of course, it's not as ridiculous as a 162-game season coming down to this one random game when Madison Bumgarner could just pitch 10 or 11 or 12 innings. The Mets can't do anything, mm-hmm. you know, to stop him. It's so dumb. But it's such a but it's a sweet advantage to like the the Cubs and you know type, the one seed type teams. That, yeah, that, but it's such an unfair advantage to a team who's built around one ace pitcher as opposed to having any kind of real depth. Uh, it's exciting. Baseball has to get fans wherever they can get them. So who are you rooting for in these playoffs if you're not rooting for the Cubs? Well, I'm rooting for the Mets to win the World Series, but that might be over in... Uh, 20 minutes? A few minutes. Yeah. So after that, who are you going to root for? Mm, it's a good question. I, you know, I don't hate the Cubs. I don't have any like Cubs fans I hate. I'm certainly rooting against the Giants, certainly rooting against the Red Sox, like the teams that have won recently. I think it would be cool if the Blue Jays won. They have, like, I mean, last night aside, they have, like, really passionate fans. I, I don't mind. it. The, the Cubs fans know that their identity is over the second they, the second they. That's ridiculous. As a Vikings fan, I have no desire to be seen as lovable playoff losers who collapse all the time. I just want one Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it's different in football. I think football, it's easy to get back to, like, wanting it again. We're in baseball. I don't know. No, but it's like if even if that's my point. Like even if you won, you'd be so thirsty again the next year. Whereas in baseball, such a grind that it kills your mojo after a while. You know. I don't know. I'm a Twins fan. I haven't had any mojo for six years. Sean McDonough. Oh man, if they could get to Sergio Romo in a tie game. By the way. So it's impossible to comment on Jessica Mendoza or any female commentator, really, without people assuming that you're just projecting your politics onto it. By which I mean, if you criticize her, people are just going to assume that you're like a mouth-breathing, you know, Trump supporter, sexist, misogynist asshole. And if you're going to compliment her, people are going to think, oh, you're some liberal, you know, hippie. Oh, you got to, you know, defend a woman regardless of. But having said that, she actually, I think, is really, really good. Now, I'm used to, like, the only baseball games I really watch are Twins games, and the Twins have just the worst um, play-by-play guy um, and color. I mean, Blylevin, they're, they're both terrible. But she has, like, repeatedly said really good comments, really smart things that I didn't know. She's really elevating. Men- Mendoza really doesn't talk. Like, she is good. She doesn't really talk a lot. Well, I think also because she's younger and she doesn't have as much experience. So she's got to p- let people get used to her. She has to be a little bit... It sounds like a little weird hearing a woman at first, but, you know, she has a very solid voice, actually. Yeah, I think it's Oof. just, you know, a function of people getting used to something, probably, that we're not used to because we haven't heard it before. It, it's insane that Bill Simmons has written one, one column for his dumb website. I mean, The Ringer is so bad. Grantland was so infinitely better than it. It's embarrassing, honestly. 
And they have such a ridiculous staff also. Yeah, so much worse. I mean, give it time. The Grantland wasn't great at the beginning either. That's crazy. Familio did blow three saves last year, but he allowed one run in 14 and two-third playoff innings last year. He had a .47 whip. Okay, well, why don't we end this podcast now before Familia does something that is going to make you very sad. Two minutes later, Familia loses the game. And the podcast comes to a very quick end. All right, I'm too mad about this. All right, I'm going to go. This was disgusting. Bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.